Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Our scripture today comes from Habakkuk 1, 1-4, and 2, 1-4. If you're pulling it up in a paper Bible like I am, it's a small book, so you're probably going to need the table of contents so that you don't just wander around in the pages. If you're using an electronic version... Uh, which it is the year of our Lord, 2022. It'll be a little quicker for you to find it than it will be for me. Or I guess I could use the screen above. (laughs) The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them. But the righteous live by their faith. May God have blessings for the readings of these words in every time and in every place. Would you pray with me? Holy One, we come seeking a fresh word, longing to see your presence and your hope for today. May it be so in this time. May these be your living words again because they live still in our hearts, speaking across the chasm of time, fresh for us. Amen. So many of you know that in the last year I took a part, I'm also working a part-time position at OU Health as a chaplain PRN, a substitute chaplain. Uh, I work about a shift a week, which helps to patch holes in their schedule at OU Medical and the Oklahoma Children's Hospital, which is important work in this post-COVID time when hospitals are just reeling for massive transitions and turnover, especially in their staff. Now, I began, frankly, because weddings are expensive, and if they try to tell you other than that, they are dead wrong. 
but I'm staying in this season of my life because I'm convinced that it's making me a better pastor. And this is for several reasons, too numerous to name, too bland, really, to mention from the pulpit. If you're interested, I'll tell you, of course, but not right here, right now. But in part, I think this is making me a better pastor because it's good practice to talk to strangers about faith one room at a time. When I'm here at the church, I'm normally with people who get why faith is important, more or less. And so much of my work here as a pastor, at least as I see it, is helping to equip our church's leaders, who are people who generally understand why faith in community is important, more or less. But it's good to be around people for whom neither is a given. They don't know me from Adam. Not so that I can convince them otherwise, but so that I'm reminded that we are a rarity And that what most folks do and think and say is not really the way we are doing things or thinking about things or saying saying things are. But even more so, it's been humbling to be God's customer service representative with people who are generally not having the best days of their life. Indeed, it is sometimes the case that I am present on the very worst days. Sitting there in the room as some strange ambassador of human divine relations. And on the worst days of our lives, sorry about that, now it should be better, it is my experience on those worst days that we don't want a saccharine word about God, or God's plan, or how everything will be all right in the end. All too often, it seems that speaking on behalf of the divine is simply foolish. And generally, it's communication in the wrong direction. In my experience, most people want the conversation to go the other way. They want something to be told to God. For God to listen to them for a moment. And generally, they don't really need my help. But sometimes they do. And most of the time, the cry of their hearts is very simple. When all is broken, it is normally one word. Why? Why me? Why mine? Why now? Why? God, why? Habakkuk, funny name, big prophet, small book. He's something like a chaplain too, an ambassador of these human divine relations. We often think of prophets as speaking from God to people. And Habakkuk does that a bit in this three chapter book. But what makes Habakkuk Unique, not unique, but rare and important for us, is that so much of this little text is about the other side of the relationship, the human communication going out from the people up to God. And so our prophet, chaplain, ambassador cries out, Oh Lord, how long, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not listen. 
things are bad. Habakkuk can clearly see the writing on the wall. The Babylonians are coming and they will defeat Judah and horrible things will happen because horrible things happen in war. He is, as chapter 1, verse 2 says, forced to see wrongdoing and look at trouble. The problem is that the Babylonians are not terribly just people. They're not particularly moral. And while it might be that Judah could deserve to lose, by no means do the Babylonians deserve to win. What gives? The law, God's special teaching about right and wrong and God's order for the world has become slack. As chapter 1 verse 4 says, justice, which always accompanies God's love, never prevails. What gives? The wicked surround the righteous. What gives? Justice, judgment comes forth perverted. What gives? Why, God? Why? And so on behalf of the people, Habakkuk goes up to the rampart, goes up on the watchtower as high as he can go to stand where God and everyone can see and will wait for God's answer. Why? We're often in a similar boat, asking a similar question. A few headlines from the news this week that prove that this is still going on. Uh, On November 1st, Matthew Perry of Friends fame is releasing his new memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. The Big Terrible Thing presumably being his deep drug addiction. In his interview with Diane Sawyer, it is noted that Perry has been to 6,000 AA meetings, went to rehab at least 15 times, detoxed 65 times, spent half of his life in treatment or in sober living homes, has gone to therapy for 30 years, and has underwent 14 different surgeries. This is one very privileged man. One wonders what would have happened to Matthew Perry if he didn't have fame, much less health insurance. How many people do we think if they could only just pull themselves up? And here is one case where every resource in the world still almost wasn't enough 30 years in. In the last few weeks, there has been renewed concern about anti-Jewish words and thoughts and deeds following Kanye West's recent controversial statements, which are like water from a well. And when people of power and privilege allow horrible ways of speaking and thinking to enter the public sphere, injustice follows. It's just one of those sad true things about our world. And it is true that anti-Semitic thoughts have entered... And people are sharing racism in public, especially about these folks, our siblings, who have endured so much, often at the hands of Christians. And at yesterday's Georgia-Florida game, it is the case that 
projected, don't know how, but you can see the video. Kanye is right. And then this week, there was an attack on Paul Pelosi, whose husband to Speaker Pelosi, in what appears to be an assassination attempt on her life. And I have a lot of thoughts about Nancy Pelosi. We don't have to talk about politics just to simply say, this isn't right. Our common life seems to be coming unraveled around us. And the hope of American progress, a place where most people are welcome and franchised, and our differences can be settled in fair and free elections instead of by by bullets and hammers in this case, seems to be beyond our grasp. Why, God? Why is the news so horrible? Addictions that seem to be beaten only with intense resources, racism that is intransigent, violence that is still here. Why, God? Shouldn't we be past this by now? Why us? Why now? Why here? And that is only in the lives of the rich and famous. What about all of us that won't get mentioned in the news? As we continue in our worship series, In the Fullness of Time, we are considering life and death everything in between. And some of that in between are the worst days where we are broken and we are hurting. Those days when we wish we would die and we don't. The days that we beg God to intervene and we don't see it. The days when we need God to listen to us, ask why, and say something, say anything, and we so often hear silence. The reality about the fullness of time is that sometimes we are broken by this world and the ways in which, as Habakkuk says, justice is perverted. Which always sounds like an abstract claim. It sounds high and lofty until it's your family member who's denied treatment because of some kerfuffle with the insurance company or it's your friend who was assaulted on their way home in what should have been a safe walk or it's your child who feels the sting of prejudice and then it becomes clear all over to us all over again this isn't right god do something please or better yet why haven't you done something Unjust suffering has led human beings to deep reflection about God. This is not a new issue. Jesus' followers for a long time have said that God is good and God is all-powerful. And it seems that sometimes these two don't always meet. And so when things are breaking, we pause and remember how and why it is we claim that God is powerful And God is good at the same time. Even here, even now. In Habakkuk, God answers these questions. Because Habakkuk, willing to put himself between the people and God, is rewarded with a vision, a word of truth that is comforting and chilling. God says there is a vision for the appointed time. The story isn't done, and this is good news of a type. 
Because it means that the God who is seemingly absent is still eternally present. The God who is good cares. The God who is powerful will act, will rescue, will save, and God's compassion and God's power will unite. But it also means that the suffering can't be cut out. That's the bad news. For whatever reason, and there are more words spilled on this topic than I can recount, the breaking cannot be undone and cannot be removed. Instead, what God offers to Habakkuk is the image of faith, that which the righteous live by, faith, trust in this God who still has a plan for the messy, broken world. In the fullness of time, we see the breaking. That is true. By faith, we also believe that we will witness healing too. About this vision, God says that it is at the end, and if it seems to tarry, wait for it, because God's great mending is coming, perhaps not soon enough, but it is on its way. And in the meantime, in the meantime, children of God, we are given faith in the God who has not abandoned us. I think one of the great acts of, that the church can do today is to stand at the watchtower like Habakkuk and to be the voice asking God why and to be the group of people who sit and wait and to be that voice who eventually will receive a vision and relay back the words, God is not done yet. And while it may be insufficient, the tremendous thing that happens is that with the sliver of faith that God has not done, we might get enough hope that it's true. And if we have hope that it's true, we might just have enough hope that this God who will do the great mending is not done with us. And if we have enough hope that the God who is doing this great mending is not done with us, then maybe we can join in too. Maybe we can be about the work of healing in the meantime. When I'm at the hospital, many people want to be cured. And that's true for us. And it's true for the many ways in which we are ill, bodily, metaphorically, with our social maladies. We desperately wish that there is a magical, miracle cure that makes it as if nothing bad has ever happened and there is nothing broken ever. I'm sure Dr. Strong knows all about people who want magic pills. But instead of cures, God offers instead transformational healing. The late spiritual memoirist Rachel Held Evans really defined this definition for me between curing and healing. In her book, Searching for Sunday, Held Evans wrote, I get a lot of emails from people who fit right into the church until... Until the divorce or the diagnosis, the miscarriage, the depression, someone comes out, someone asks a question, an uncomfortable truth is spoken out loud. What they find is that when they bring their pain or their doubt or their uncomfortable truth to church, sometimes, someone immediately grabs it out of their hands to try and fix it and to make it go away. Bible verses are quoted, assurances are given, plans with 10 steps and measurable results are made. With good intentions, 
tinged with fear, Christians scour their inventory for a cure. There is a difference between curing and healing, and I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. We are called to enter into another's pain, anoint it as holy, and stick around, no matter the outcome. That healing is relational, which is to say it takes time. It's inefficient, and it's uncertain, and most of all, it's an act of hope, born out of that faith we have in the God who's not done yet. Healing is the recognition that we can't unbreak something. The toothpaste doesn't go back in the tube. The pottery is never the same as when it's broken. And so instead of trying to cure it, we heal it by repairing. We do this work through meals and protests and laws sometimes. We do this work of healing through choosing a different way. We do this work of healing through choosing love. We do this work of healing through standing alongside the people we love and asking God, what gives? We do this work of healing through standing alongside people and not lying on God's behalf when horrible things happen, which is often our inclination. But instead, trying out the words, I don't know why, more often Because we don't often tell the truth, even as we know it, which is that we don't know all too often why the breaking happens. But God asked Habakkuk, and by extension us, the people, to choose faith. To believe in the fullness of time. And to believe that in the fullness of time, God's mercy, God's love, God's justice, God's goodness will be made known which means in the fullness of time, we even get healing. And so, my friends, today, it just might be that we can begin to live out that great hope in our time too. Because if we believe this is true, if we believe that God's vision is the ultimate vision, then we can choose to live into that instead of the hopelessness that breeds around us. Let's do our best To let healing, relational, inefficient, uncertain healing happen when it can. Because if we look close enough, we just might see that too. When we look close enough, we see the vision, God's vision, God's vision of wholeness, of healing, of an end to all of this breaking Maybe not so plain all the time, like a billboard which a runner can see, but maybe big enough in the details of our lives that we can be reminded that God has heard us. Big enough to be reminded that God has not abandoned us. Not yet.